0: a journey together into video game sexy time. Ooh. Oh, I'm I'm sorry guys. I didn't know you were Oh, wow. That's uh it's embarrassing. But well, I guess why you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Video Game Mythos. This is yet another episode where I for the sake of you Brought someone into the studio with me. before I bring that guy up, because, oh boy, do I love bringing that guy up, let's talk about what we're here to do. This is a podcast for you, a podcast by you, where we take your ideas, your submissions, and the things that you want to hear backstory and lore and myths about, and we bring them forward in time into your ears where you can take it and suck on it, you bitch. So... (coughs) Without further ado, I'm going to forego all of our normal intros, and we're just going to jump right into it, because we have kind of a big topic today. Uh, this topic was also submitted by Max Zenglein out of Washington, D.C., so thank you for your topic, Max. We're going to go ahead and jump right in. The topic today is Majora, from Majora's Mask, um, which I know is kind of a big topic, and you might have some people out there who are kind of contentious about the topic because of how big it is, there's a lot to cover. So, since there's a lot to cover, I didn't want to do it alone. And I, making his 13 Palm Trees podcast debut, I have the one, the only, friend of the show, Alex Butera. What's up? So, Alex, thank you for joining me on the mics. We're oh. hot. We're live. Kind of. Not live. I don't know how it really works. It'll post eventually. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I asked you here with me because, one... I know you're a Zelda fan. I know we've tried to do this before. Alex was originally with me in the first episode. Before we even launched, went live anything to record the Na'vi episode. And we recorded a great conversational piece. But, turned out we messed up the recording and the audio was lost forever. Rest in pepperoni that episode. Sadness. So, bring him back. Let's start over. We're going to try again. I made sure I didn't mess anything up this time. And we're going to talk about Majora. So... I'll kind of jump in here Obviously Majora is the assumed name Of the main antagonist In The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask Um Yeah let's jump into it Let's jump into it So obviously Majora's Mask One of the more Depraved Like weird titles in the Zelda franchise Really dark Extremely extremely dark if we harken back to the first episode of Video Game Mythos where we talk about Navi, we actually jump into Majora's Mask where it seems like uh, the myths and lore around that game kind of suggest that the entirety of Majora's Mask was about death and about Link accepting Navi's death,
1: which is pretty dark. Yeah, they're extremely dark. I mean, man, I don't even know where to start. There's so much to jump <laughs> into on this. That's well, let me, let me hold your hand. Let me guide you into this journey as I will
0: give you I'll kind of jump in with some of the points that I put together and we'll kind of touch on them as we go. Sounds good. So um, Majora, obviously and arguably one of the series most powerful villains, most depraved villains, like crazed villains. And I think it that villain shows like a, a serious evolution from the beginning of the game to the end.
1: Oh, I mean, by comparison, Majora it might be even a little bit crazier, at least ruthless, more ruthless than even Ganon. Oh, oh yeah, by far. Right. And that that
0: was kind of the well. Actually, I will get to that. No, nope. we'll, we'll get to that because no I do have no spoilers
1: just yet. <laughs>
0: yeah, I wanna I wanna touch on that for sure, and we will touch on it. But I just want to hit on some of like the the main points. So like right off the bat. Um, Majora manifests himself in the game as everyone probably already knows, if you don't spoiler alert, uh, as a mask. Um, and a lot of people, some people don't even take it as Majora as its own being. Some people are just like Majora's Mask. But, I mean, it's called Majora's Mask. It's a possessive word that means it belongs to Majora. So, that being said, this powerful mask takes over the Skull Kid. Mm-hmm. and Poor, poor soul. With his little fairies. Um, and it carries some type of like obvious sentience and that like an ability to speak mentally, um, through the where, um, I don't know it's just kind of like, it's weird because you take the skull kid and then you have like, how was the happy mask salesman? So immune to all of this. I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of strange, but anyway, I'm, I'm getting off topic again. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm hogging, hogging the show here. Um, so that kind of goes into kind of who he was how he manifested himself in the game um but obviously towards the end of the game he transforms and actually shows quote unquote his true form um so there's three different forms we're going to get to those in a little bit um so let's jump into his origins okay you have
1: anything for me on that oh i'm excited and rock hard (laughs) prove it. Pixar (coughs) didn't. So
0: I'm going to hit a little bit from what we saw on the the Zelda wiki here. Um, So apparently there's a mysterious tribe, a lot like uh, the Sheikah, but more mysterious, just ancient, quote unquote, like they were, um, that used Majora's Mask in like hexing rituals.
1: Yeah, like incantations or something like that
0: yeah it's like dark magic kind of stuff not not good like the sheikah obviously um but the troubles caused by the mask were obviously like so great so powerful um that these ancient beings fearing even though they were evil inherently fearing something even more evil more devilish fearing some catastrophe that could happen took the mask and sealed it up in shadow in some kind of dark place as you know zelda so loves to do just taking bad guys and shoving instead of just killing them <laughs> shoving them somewhere where you now they'll eventually come back um plot twist maybe we'll have a majora's too in the future <laughs> um to prevent its misuse the tribe somehow another video game uh, trite thing vanished mysteriously But the mask was eventually tracked down and uncovered by the aforementioned mysterious Happy Mask Salesman, uh, who is a purported trader of valuable masks and rare, powerful things. Um, So, as we already said, the Happy Mask Salesman got robbed by the Skull Kid uh, and his two fairy companions. Eventually, Link shows up. The mask takes over him. It, or takes over the Skull Kid. The Skulls Kid starts getting wild, and that kind of t- this time is where I wanted to tie back in what I was talking about. So, <clears throat> the evolution of Majora. Kind of give me your thoughts on this, Alex. Um, so, one of the cool things about Majora's Mask is it doesn't necessarily seem like the mask. The mask is a almost like an influential, like demonic force. Oh, totally. Because you get the skull kid so initially the skull kid isn't doing any he's not just like taken over by the mask and he starts murdering senselessly like no skull
1: kid was just you know like a typical angsty young lad you know just like you know enjoys harmless little pranks but never really being too aggressive right until he came across the mask and even then it
0: didn't do anything that was inherently like Horrible beyond that. It was, it took him over and it used his inhibitions and his, you know, uh, orneriness, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. and just capitalized on it. So, really, <clears throat> it almost seems like Majora, whatever form it's taking, it's just taking what's already there and just multiplying it, exponentially uh, oh, acting on it. Oh, yeah. So, I thought that was kind of a neat thing, uh, especially when you look at like. The moon, I don't really know how that relates, like where, what in the hell happened there? Like, <laughs> I guess the moon just has these dark secret desires to crash land into,
1: into the earth. Um, well, according to the Zelda book Hyrule Historia, Skull Kid's friends are actually the guardians, uh, or the deities that inhabit each region of Termina, which... Are we
0: talking about the giants?
1: Yeah, the giants. The Skull Kid's friends of the giants? Yeah. Oh, interesting, I did not know that. Yeah. What else does it say? I'm curious now. Well, according to the uh, Hyrule Historia, Skull Kid's friends are guardian deities that inhabit each region of Termina. Through they depart the four corners of the earth, fulfilled their purpose. Skull Kid feels that they have been abandoned him and goes on a rampage with the power of Majora's Mask.
0: Interesting. So, like, I knew that there was a reason for him being all crazy, but I didn't know that it was because that he felt like he was abandoned by the quote-unquote gods of the forest yeah. or the regions. That is interesting. <laughs> um, so kind of hearkening back to... So you have that and then... So not only was it like lonely, it felt betrayed. Mm-hmm. So then you take the other characteristics. So hearkening back to the point where the Skull Kid was merely a puppet, suggesting that it was in fact the mask's essence itself that craved so much misery and destruction. All the powers it used seem to suggest it or induce some kind of insanity, kinda of like pushing the skull kid over the edge. Um, and such as turning the turning on Kefe into a into a child mere days before his wedding. Like it's kind of fucked up. Yeah,
1: like that's a little messed up. <laughs>
0: Um, and at the moon, in a very peaceful but surreal meadow, Majora's Mask and the four boss members take the form of children. The Majora child sitting alone staring at the ground, the child wearing Majora's Mask, asks Link to play a game of good guys against bad guys, where Link is the bad guy. In combat, Majora has a tendency to laugh to itself maniacally, letting out high-pitched childish shrieks when injured, and all forms of very chaotic and very unsettling appearances. So, I find that really interesting because it kind of goes back to wherever he's manifesting himself, whatever form Majora, or I should say whoever's wearing the mask of Majora is taken over and kind of is sucked in by that kind of insanity. Yeah,
1: it's kind of being like absorbed into that darkness that the mask inherently possesses
0: yeah it's kind of it's kind of wild so and that goes into the next point that I kind of want to talk about is like what makes this such a unique villain for a Zelda game so you have like obviously let's touch on Ganondorf Ganondorf is always he felt he was um he deserved all the power. Ev- mm-hmm. All the pieces of the Triforce belonged to him. It was that
1: co- is the constant seek of power, just yeah. To be-
0: and that and that makes sense because you know he was gifted the Triforce of, of power. Yeah. Uh. So or the Triforce piece of power, but him and Zant and Vati, all of them all wanted to, um, just to rule their lands or increase their power in some sort. But Majora was different. He
1: just really wanted to fuck shit up. Yeah. Like, just- To destroy in in the sake of destruction.
0: Yeah, and it really, I think it really capitalizes why so many people like Majora's Mask, because the Zelda franchise, while there are beautifully crafted games and they're some of the most critically acclaimed games of all time, are, you know, they all have the same general story. You have Link awakens, villain awakens, Zelda awakens, they come
1: together somehow, they Mm fight, and then it moves on. This one was not like that. No, I mean, uh, all the other games, it's pretty much, you know, even just looking at it, it's nice, beautiful, brightly colored, and this one just has, like, just all around just dark. Yep. Like, it's just a dark atmosphere going I, into it. I agree 100%, and if you notice, and just
0: on that, that point you just made, um, I actually read a fan theory that... It pointed out that that very thing that said, like, all the every Zelda game is so brightly colored, and then you look at Majora's Mask and it's it's more like dulled down in color and things like that. But the most, most, uh, beautiful thing in that game is the mask itself. Mm-hmm. And it's like lending way to even in the visuals of that the game have created, the fact that it's supposed to be like alluring you to Majora's Mask. Thought that I was like kind that. of interesting. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it really puts a, Puts the capital letter in front of you know Majora because it gives you like that that umph you know because you're right it's like those fucking Claritin commercials where it's like you're watching it and then you like oh you take your Claritin and it peels off that layer of like darkness and that's all the other Zelda games Th- this is your brain on on Majora's
1: man yeah, it's just is- and it's also just a refreshing like change of pace for all the other games I mean refreshing is not the word I would use. <laughs> Well, you know it's no, like I get what you're when saying you're so about. sad, you just want to punch yourself in the dick. That's literally just to my make life. yourself feel better. Yep. No one hates me more than me, Alex. You should know that. <laughs> but know.
0: Um, so, like I said, it amplifies Majora being a unique villain, not only because it's 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 not necessarily a dark being or something like that. It's a it's a mask that just takes people over. Like the fact that they could base an entire game off of that is kind of awesome. So the mask, it amplifies the wearer's desires, their motives. The motive of each owner could have been different. Like, imagine if Ganondorf had Majora's mask. (laughs) Game over. Yeah. (laughs) Game over, man. (laughs) Yeah, there'd be no stopping that. Um, So Majora itself most likely has different motives from the wearer, but he corrupts their minds, bringing about their own ends for destruction. And um, has different motor- motives in the wear. It's fully implied by its treatment of the Skull Kid after the four giants prevented the moon's crashing into Termina by explicitly comparing Skull Kid to a puppet before declaring him broken and useless. Like that's sad, savage. Like it is. It really goes to show that this thing, like you talked about a little bit ago, that that kid-like mm-hmm. kind of vibe that it has, it goes to show that it has like that level of immaturity. So if you play off the point one it's like a child then a a young spirit then you could definitely take that which you kind of get that vibe in like tattle and tail as well they're just like young children spirits Mm -hmm. so did they mean that or did they mean it to be like majora literally was not necessarily a child but embodied the every single negative trait of any being so it would be selfishness and blaming people and, you know, not being willing to take up for its own failures, essentially, in this case. Yeah. And then when it is defeated, it takes out its frustrations on someone else. So... <clears throat> I don't know. I like the Skull Kid, personally. I do, too. And I'm really sad about it's- that point. <laughs> um, so... It has a very pronounced sadistic streak, obviously not only causing destruction, but causing the Skull Kid to use the mask power to generally make the lives of Termina inhabitants miserable. Which, take a step back here. Termina itself seems like a pretty fucking miserable place to live. Like, there's really not a lot going on. Everyone there seems sad. I mean, it's a lot smaller than Hyrule. They literally live in a, ma- a land whose name is Termina, which means dead. Um... Which I know, there's a lot of theories that state that Link didn't actually go to Termina. He actually died, and he's in a place called Termina.
1: So, <coughs> more sad. We'll talk. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Upcoming episodes. Um, and of so, course, that kind of all links back to the Navi episode of the four stages of of grief. You know, Termina just or the five stages of grief. Just uh, you know, depression. Everyone's just sad around there.
0: No, you're not wrong. I mean, that's a prominent factor. Everyone that you talk to has a different "woe" that is like beholden to them, and mm-hmm. it, it's kind of—I don't know. That's how, this. This game has such a like a dark vibe to it. Every single per, every single thing in the game, even the way that the dialogue is written, has a minor tone, and it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Um, so that's kind of like the. Generalized. We touched on a lot of like the base points about Majora there. Um, so the name itself, I wanted to bring this up. The etymology, if you will, just to huh, put on my monocle and talk Yeah, quite here. indubitably, yes. <laughs> uh, the name Majora may have been inspired by the ancient Brazilian society of a similar name, which was Marajora. So M-A-R-A-J-O-A-R-A, which was which was actually a culture that created masks. So, sort of which looks strikingly similar to Majora's Mask. So, given Nintendo's propensity for actually finding some kind of base cultures in each one of their games, uh, that would not really surprise me at all that that's kind of where they took this from. Um, Maju is also a Japanese word for witch. Something that could hint at the mask's evil magical powers. So... Um, it could also have been named after an emperor of the Western Roman Empire, Majorian. So there's some definitive... I don't know whether that guy was evil or not. I didn't look into it that much, but... Or Christopher this, Dorian. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Crossover, d <D&D>, kinda. <laughs> uh, so I'm not really sure where the where the lines were drawn with the name, but I think it's interesting that there's at least three different mentions that have some... Stor- some sort of tie to evil or witches or masks or something like that just in the straight-up dissection of the name. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, anything else that you want to touch on
1: before we jump into some of the the harder theories? I think we kind of hit stu- uh, stumbled across most of the points, so I say we just j- dive into it.
0: Yeah, and this was this is another one that, and this is why I so very appreciate you coming onto the show with us. Uh, this was another one that there's not a whole lot of hard line facts. Oh no. When it comes to Majora. It's it's almost ninety-eight percent speculation. The game doesn't really give us a whole lot other than the three forms, which actually I do want to touch on those very quickly. So the Majora's form, so obviously in the first part of the battle you have Majora's mask that you fight. And then it kind of like transforms into this mask that has like these weird whip things. Yeah. That comes out of it. And that's the Majora's incarnation. And then it transforms into this, like, almost, like, whiny, like, tall, muscular, has arms, legs with, like, mm-hmm. that one eye, and it's called Majora's Wrath. Um, it still has the tentacle whips that comes from the hand, all that kind of stuff. Um, but what I think it's interesting about this is it shows, like, the evolution of not only the game evolving on such a grand scale of going to just like this child to going to like this moon and then to being like this demon. So it goes to kind of the same stages the boss does as the game kind of goes through. It starts off very small and then the scale
1: increases and gets more daunting and then it goes into like this, what the hell, there's this demon. Yeah, after you're saying that, a little thought popped in my mind literally just now where... What if at the very like as you're fighting and goes through all the different stages you've already reached that top pinnacle of his ruthlessness since once Skull Kid has the mask on he's become a lot more mature in a mental sense uh, than we first saw him and then now while he's fighting he's getting weakened once he's Majora's actually encumbering the selfish or not selfishness but that childlike persona of Skull Kid you know flailing around with his tentacles throwing a temper tantrum of sorts so he's so
0: like embodying yeah the, kind of kind the like negativity how, of the previous host yeah oh i like that that's a good idea so and so that, it's
1: like it's when he when majora is possessing skull kid he's imbu- imbuing his that evil energy into skull kid which is pretty much making him More mature than he would be at, assumingly at that age, at a young age. But since he's being attacked, getting damaged, he's losing that power, which is kind of reverting into that childlike innocence and selfishness. That
0: hmm, I see where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean that. It just popped in my head right now.
0: But no, I mean that's the nice thing about when you're touching on things like uh, like this is that no matter which way you go with it there's there's almost some type of fact you can pull in the game to support any type of theory Mm -hmm. so but the nice part about that one is there's a lot of facts that could go with it so yeah i mean i would buy that i would buy that 100 percent um so since we're on the topic of theories i know we already touched on this a little bit but this was a this is one of the bigger ones um The theory is is that Majora, the games never come out and say what it is. They just say it's a mask with a lot of power that was formed in some secret society, formed long ago and locked away so it wouldn't hurt anyone, blah, 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 which we already touched on. But the other theory was that Majora was an insane demon that was defeated by the none other than the fierce deity. (laughs) So Majora, in a last ditch effort to save its own life, sealed its soul in a mask, all Voldemort style. Uh, the deity, realizing that Majora could return and destroy Termina, used his power into another mask to combat the demented demon. So Majora's power was sealed in a mask to protect himself from death. And then this other god-like being sacrificed himself and imbued his life into a mask in order to be able to combat Majora. Which explains kind of when Majora takes his final form and you get this Fierce Deity mask, and mm-hmm. you get all the other masks, why you can just lay the ultimate fucking Smackdown. Um, like, seriously, give me more time with Fierce Deity Link. I get like 10 seconds because it's a one hit kill at that point. I know. It's ri- <coughs> ridiculous. Um, but no, I, th- I think that's kind of awesome. So, um, Majora always kept the other mask near so it could. Exact its revenge when it was able, finally able to destroy Termina, which is the theory actually goes into talking about that's the whole reason for it wanting to destroy Termina because that's where the fair Deity Mask was. Mm-hmm. So it just wanted to obliterate all of Termina so it would be gone finally, and then Majora would be the last man standing. So when Link was about to fight Majora, Majora could give Link the fair Deity Mask in order to destroy its old enemy and its current one at the same time. This mistake caused Majora to be killed permanently, That motive may have been that Majora wanted to be worshipped by the Terminians but was rejected causing its thirst for the destruction of Termina. So something to consider is that Majora states, I, I shall consume, consume, consume everything. And once it had control, and that was once it had control of the moon directly. So no explanation for what saying is ever given, but it may explain its motive. Which I think is kind of interesting, in, oh, yeah. the, in the grand scheme of things. I love that theory. That the whole like, it's very Zelda theory. Like, yeah, I hear. It's Totally Zelda to have like this god and this evil thing that like seal themselves away to, to interlock themselves in epic battle forever. Like, I don't know. I think that's badass. Oh, I'm, I'm a I'm a sucker for some uh, Greek Greek isms. So
1: very supernatural ish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if that's the case, everyone that's died will be back. And then, you know, who cares if you're dead? You'll be back (laughs) in two seasons. Totally fine. Uh, Another theory, and I really actually like this one a lot. So since we're comparing this game to other Zelda games, I want to kind of touch on this one and get your thoughts on this, Alex. Another possibility is that Majora is the spiritual embodiment of Majora's Mask, which mm-hmm. totally makes sense. We talked about that already. Um, and there's a lot of credit to that just due to the fact that, especially since newer Zelda games have come out, there's an embodiment of other objects, kind of like the Master Sword. You have Fi from from um, Skyward Sword. She's the spiritual embodiment of the Master Sword yeah. and the power that resides within it and then Girahim from Skyward Sword. He's the spiritual embodiment of Ganondorf's sword. So what's to say that Majora is not the demonic embodiment of this mask? Maybe the mask itself was, was the true evil and not some demon. So we talked just a little bit about how the demon was the true evil and it locked itself into the mask, but what was the other way around? What if the mask itself was created and it was hexed and used for bad reasons, but Majora was just the physical embodiment of that pure, demonic evil.
1: That's some real chicken before the egg <laughs> shit right there. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Apologies for my cough.
0: Um, yeah. I I like that theory actually That's a little really bit more because it jives with the rest of Zelda mythology.
1: And I don't know if you ever um, to link into other games of, sort of sorts. I don't know if you have ever noticed, but if you actually look closely at Midna, the mask that Midna is wearing, it looks an awful lot like Majora's Mask. Yep, that eye, like mm-hmm. it comes down and kind of circles around, it looks ex- almost
0: identical to the like the eye in Majora's Mask. So, and that actually brings us into our next theory, is that a ton of people, I'm glad you brought that up, theorized that the tribe Majora belonged to that mysteriously disappeared were actually the Twilly from Twilight Princess, which makes sense. They created this thing so long ago, and then they disappeared. They didn't really go anywhere. They'd just been locked away in the Twilight Realm. And maybe that was at the same point that the mirror was broken, because that was hundreds of years before Link to the Pat, or uh, Twilight Princess. So maybe that was... Those timelines were kind of jiving together. Maybe, Yeah, that's a... That's a weird one. I'm going to have to look further into that one. That kind of gives me cold chills thinking about it because Twilight Princess is my favorite Zelda game. Oh, absolutely. So so good. Classic. (laughs) Love it. So I know you'll like this one because you're into like Japanese culture and stuff like that. I am. Um, One of the other theories about where Majora sourced from, and it's actually straight out of the manga, and this is actually a really interesting one. I really like this. So there's a side story in the Majora's Mask manga that goes into the origin of Majora. Majora was originally a giant dragon-like creature that guarded an empty, timeless land. Um, A land that was neither living or dead. The armor this dragon wore was highly sought after, and it was fabled to be capable of granting wishes and bestowing a great power unto its owner. So many humans came from all kinds of lands hoping to claim the armor for their own purposes, both good and evil. But Majora, being a massive dragon, just devoured them, men and women alike. Just didn't care. He was alone. What are you going to eat? You know, whatever. <laughs> um, one day, an unnamed traveler who is akin in appearance to a older-looking adult Link, left-handed and all weird, uh, comes <laughs> to... <for> life. <laughs> It comes to this land not to kill him, but to talk to him. So, and not trying to claim his armor, just to converse with him. In their dialogue, the stranger sympathizes with Majora, pointing out his loneliness. Majora considers the traveler's analysis and uses the desires of the devoured, develops wishes of his own for time to pass, and that he may lay at rest and end his loneliness. This Link-like character takes a drum from his bag and begins to play, telling Majora to dance. Majora dances furiously for three days and nights, and as he dances, this is where time is born. So this theory states that Majora is actually the god and father of time, which kind of goes into the whole rewinding back Uh and forth three days kind of thing. Um, on the fourth day, the dragon dies. I do, as do all the creature who time passes, leaving behind only his armor, and the living dead nor living land is destroyed. The man then carves a mask from the creature's magic armor into what became Majora's Mask, sealing its power forever inside of it.
1: That's a really good theory. Yeah, it's really cool. That's like, really, <laughs> cool. and it fits really like ever <clears throat> so nicely. With everything that goes on throughout, like the main premise of the entire game, at least the main mechanic,
0: it, and it really does, and it really captures. If you look at, you know, we talked about the the childlike um, attitude and the loneliness and the sadness of, you know, everyone who's been possessed by Majora, and just that general attitude that that spirit, so so-called spirit, possesses. You know, try to look at it from the standpoint of not being not being immature, but be having the inability to mature, yeah. that you are alone, you are for eternity. There's nothing other than you. And then someone shows up, you don't know how to act, you don't know what to say, you don't know any of that because you've never developed that. So the spirit being alone and being all-powerful doesn't know how to lose. It doesn't know how to, what or even win. it doesn't know. It just knows to do. And whenever it doesn't get what it wants, it cries, it yells, it screams, it mm-hmm. blames, it does everything because oh. it isn't capable of learning or knowing what is failure. So I don't know. It's pretty it's a pretty badass theory. Kinda of gave me chills a little bit. <laughs> what I mean that's just me. That don't don't give credit to the talk. I'm just a handsome man. Oh I know. So I know. <laughs> but speaking of handsome men, Alex, thank you for joining me this evening. Oh man, I had a great time. Thank you I, for having me. I know I did a lot of the talking and I apologize for that. Um, I'm a Mike hog, I know. Jed and Daniel and Ryan and Josh all tell me every day. So, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm just here to support you <laughs> and have a great conversation. <laughs> and it is much appreciated. And speaking of appreciation, thank you, listener, for going on this journey with us into one of... Video games' arguably most depressing, most depraved, and crazy villains. Um, being a Zelda fan is is a hard thing. I think we've all we've all experienced that. You know, we wait forever between games, and sometimes you have games like Spirit Tracks that just disappoint us. And then, you know, but luckily they've made up for it with creating great and amazing games like Majora's Mask with infinite replayability and. Just the time of your life, and new things you find every time. So take the time. Read the read the lores, read the theories, everything like this, because you never know. You might have played Majora's Mask a 100,000 times and loved the game for what it is, but until you get into the theories and the stories behind your favorite characters, you're not going to know what the game truly means to everyone out there. You're not going to know what it meant to the people who created it. And that's why we're here. That's why Video Game Mythos is here, to direct you on that path and maybe let you feel a little bit of something about what we got going on for you. So thank you for listening to Video Game Mythos.
1: Bye. Okay, bye.